You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a Friday episode and we have another loaded show for you. I am Brian Brown, and I'm here to kick your weekend off on a good note. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about how Utah basketball has announced two assistant hires for the men's basketball program. Why not the third? What might be the delay? And is there one candidate out there that is worth waiting for? We're also going to talk about mailbag season, as we're going to take your questions and try to answer them as best we possibly can. And then we're also going to recap, excuse me, review what's about to happen this weekend as Utah Athletics is in action. Maybe not as much action as in weekends previous, but still plenty to pay attention to. All that coming up next here on the Locked on Utes podcast for Friday, April 9th, 2021. here on the Locked On News Podcast. Thank you for joining me, my Utah friends and family. My name is Brian Brown. I'm one of your co-hosts here on the Locked On News Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is brought to you by one of our favorites, Bill Barr, betonline.ag. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the recent announcement of two hires that we've basically speculated on for the past two weeks here on the podcast. University of Utah basketball program officially announced that DeMarlo Slocum and Eric Peterson had joined the program, the men's basketball program, as assistant coaches. Those are hires that we basically already knew were happening. I really don't know the reasoning behind delaying the announcements once those guys are sort of in place. I would imagine that it has to do something to do with HR and signing contracts and everything like that. The University of Utah is very thorough in those regards. They want to make sure that they are covered in all instances. We've seen some stories in the media previously where coaches had not actually signed their contracts, etc., etc. So I'm assuming that that's pretty much the reason why they aren't announced initially as they're heading down. But for the most part, we've known about these hires for a while. We knew that Eric Peterson was coming with Coach Smith from Utah State. Early, early on, uh, John Hartwell, the AD up there at Utah State, more or less announced it. And then always there's the rumor meal that that circulates, and especially in these types of situations where people are changing jobs and and changing environments and everything like that, there's a lot of talk and, and conversation among sources that those things are about to happen. DeMarlo Slocum makes a lot of sense because he was coming from UNLV, where the previous staff was fired, he was not retained, uh, and so it 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 the big correlation I think above all else is the fact that Eric Peterson and Marlo Slocum know Craig Smith, and as we talked about in the open, that there, there is a delay in that third seat. Coach Smith has mentioned more often in his interviews that they're going to take their time and make sure they find the right candidate. That they've had a lot of outreach in terms of 
other coaches who want to occupy that position. And it makes a ton of sense. The University of Utah is a program where you could absolutely springboard yourself. You can build good connections. You're recruiting to a facility and a program that has a lot of good history, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We've talked about this a lot on the program, that there are a lot of positives. The one concern that I would have if I'm Craig Smith, and, and based on what I'm looking at with his previous hires, his big concern is that this is my one shot. This is my opportunity to prove myself at the pack at the Power Five level in the Pac-12 conference, and to show people that I really can coach at this level. I don't think that there is a monstrous difference between coaching at G five and mid major or whatever you want to call it, and Power Five in terms of the actual coaching. Where I do believe there is a massive discrepancy is in the outside aspects of a program, meaning what you have to deal with in terms of the media, what you have to deal with in terms of uh, dealing with boosters, the amount of pressure that you have to deal with in terms of payment and play and the difficulty that you have in terms of recruiting against programs that are no longer Colorado State, Nevada, UNLV, New Mexico. You're now going up against the Blue Bloods of the NCAAs in UCLA, the New Bloods in Oregon and USC, the Arizonas of the world. This is no longer an even matchup. You're recruiting against the best in the NCAA. And if you're going to go up against the best, you need to make sure that your staff is rock solid, not only in terms of ability to recruit, but in terms of cohesiveness. As someone who's coached previously, albeit at the high school level and even at the little league level, I can tell you the one thing that led to more success than anything else that we had as a group, as a program, was being on board together as a coaching staff. I remember going into a halftime where I basically erupted after we played a terrible first half. And both of the other members on staff that were in the room with me just let me vent. They looked at me and said, you good? I said, I am. And then we went about things as it was, uh, as as nothing had happened. And we stuck to the, to the plan and the game plan and ended up winning that game. And that moment taught me a big lesson about understanding who it is that you're coaching with, understanding the times where you need to just let people go and do their thing and the times where you need to rein them in. And if I'm Craig Smith, I'm not going to leave any of that up to chance. I want to know who it is that I'm bringing into this program, who I'm going to be working with, what to expect from them. I need to know those things, not necessarily because I'm a control freak, because I need to know that that stuff is taken care of. I need to know that when I'm going into staff meetings on Monday, I'm not going to get a third chair assistant. And to be honest with you, the number of the chair is is less important in terms of the internal uh, contribution and everything like that. I think it's more something that we justify on the outside of things. You can always uh, mitigate those kinds of things with an associate head coach title or whatever it is that you need to do. I think that's less important. But if I'm Craig Smith, I'm making sure that everyone who's in that room with me that has input is someone that I can trust. It is someone that I know. It is someone that I can understand and relate with. It is someone that I have a relationship with. Or it is someone that I feel like is on the same page with me and may not be trying to undermine me behind the scenes. Because this is the big part about what Utah's going through. They are a very vulnerable program at the moment. Lost a bunch of players to the portal. A new head coach. 
He's not being paid nearly as much as Larry Kraskoviak, so the leash on him is going to be incredibly short. We've seen it from Mark Harlan previously that he's not going to put up with mediocrity. And it doesn't, at this point, we know that really it doesn't even matter what the price tag is. He's going to do what he wants to do, and he's going to make changes no matter what. And so you better be producing. I'm going to make sure that the guys that are on my staff are on board with me, that I know how they operate, that I know what they're doing, that I am at least aware of of how to interact with them so that when those heated moments come up, we can overcome them and, and work through them much more quickly rather than having to alienate somebody who's on my staff that may try to go behind the scenes and undermine me or undercut or anything like that. So for that very reason, I'm being uh, showing some trepidation in terms of who I'm going to hire. I would like it to be somebody that I know. If it's not somebody that I know, I would like it to be somebody that is impactful to the program. And this leads me to the biggest name that is floating around out there, which is Chris Burgess. He is currently an assistant down at BYU, former player at the University of Utah, known that Burgess wants to return to the U at some point. He, I think the, probably the biggest uh, optimism was that Alex Jensen would take the position and bring Burgess along with him. Um, Burgess is a phenomenal coach, great guy, uh, knows the industry, tremendous recruiter, willing to go the extra mile. And for all those reasons, understands the program, understands the state of Utah, well-connected within the state, has the ability to build relationships, understands college recruiting because he's been coaching, blah, 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 blah. Everything in his favor is very positive. I don't know that there are a ton of negatives out there for Chris Burgess. And for that particular reason, Utah fans are very on board with this hire, as they should be. I think there, when you have outstanding assistance, you know, if Jared Dubois were interested in the in the position, I think that would be one that you would want. We've seen mentioned that some fans wanted Alex Jensen and, and Johnny Bryant to return together. I think for Bryant, it probably would have been a tough pill to swallow. He's ready for a head job, but I understand the mindset of that. You're you're putting together a power program. And if I'm Craig Smith, I want to make sure that I know for a fact that Chris Burgess is going to be the guy that can ride along with me as we go through these hurdles and these obstacles. As we've seen, there are plenty of players in the portal, and it is not easy to build chemistry and build a, uh, a culture within a team if everyone is not on board. Utah's going to have to build a new culture. That's the bottom line. It seems as if this change at the head coaching position was an entire reset for the program. It does not seem as though... There is a lot of strong and fierce desire to keep everyone on board. And for that reason, I understand why Craig Smith is taking his time with this third assistant hire. You want to make sure that it's somebody you know, as I've mentioned, and you want to make sure that if it's somebody that you don't know, like Chris Burgess, that all your T's are crossed and all your I's are dotted. I think Burgess is by far and away the best assistant that you're going to be able to get. If he does have interest, I think you're going to be able to open up the coffers. Uh, I'm under the impression that they have plenty of money for the, for the assistant pool. But what really holds me up in this regard is that every single hire that Craig Smith has made into up until this point has been someone that he's either known or worked with previously. Eric Peterson worked with him at both North Dakota and Utah state. DeMarlo Slocum worked with him at Colorado state. Kern Walsh, who's going to be the director of basketball operations, so whether that's been officially announced or not, doesn't really matter. It's out there at this point. Worked with him at Utah State. Craig Smith has never worked with Chris Burgess. And so that may be the biggest issue that's caused him to take some pause in terms of, do I make this hire or not? He should make it. 
Chris Burgess is without a doubt a slam dunk, home run, whatever you want to say. He he knows the in-state kids. He's an incredible recruiter. The bounds to which he will go to recruit are awesome. He's creative. He's motivated. And he understands the game of basketball. If I'm Craig Smith, I would completely and totally understand why you would have some trepidation on hiring somebody that you've never worked with, that you've only encountered on the recruiting trail, and that you don't really know personally. And so for that reason, I do believe that there may be still some time ahead before we see an official announcement with this one. There's been plenty of interest for the job. There will always be interest for the job. It is a worthy job. It is a great job. I think especially at a program like the University of Utah, being an assistant coach is is one of the best positions to be in, especially if you can endear yourself to university administration, to the athletic department, everything like that. If the head coach is fired, you could be the next person up. So... For all these reasons, it's very understandable that Craig Smith has not made the hire yet and that he is trying to take his time. Now, that being said, there is plenty of smoke around the fact that Chris Burgess will get an opportunity to interview for the job. If Craig Smith does feel that connection, I would suspect that he will make Craig Chris Burgess the hire. If he does not, it's likely because he has someone else in mind that he feels can equal the task. Whatever it is, at this point, we need to trust that Craig Smith is going to do what's best for, for his staff and best for the program and believe that up to this point, he's already demonstrated that he's going to ride with those who he trusts. And for that very reason, I support him in whatever it is he decides to do with his hire. But for my own personnel, for my own uh, individual uh, perspective, this is one that I would make without a doubt to be Chris Burgess. Go ahead and play some odds on who the next assistant coach at the University of Utah is going to be under the men's basketball program because you can do that at betonline.ag. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action, you can pick whatever sport it is that you want to gamble on. There's also awards, TV shows, reality TV, whatever it is, they're going to be able to set up a line for you. That's why we love them. That, along with real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine, easy setup, all the news, scores, and odds that you need, the best place to go to place your bets, and the best part about it is it's free and easy to sign up. You just go to the website, pull it up on your mobile device, doesn't matter. Sign up today, easy process. And when you do sign up, make sure you enter in that promo code locked on to get 50% as your welcome bonus upon deposit. This is betonline.ag. You know them, you've heard about them. They are your online sportsbook experts. We shuffled things around a little bit here on the Locked On Youth podcast. Decided to do a mailbag edition here on Friday rather than on Thursday. Just had a lot to talk about on Thursday and felt like. Mailbags are really a Friday thing here, and and once Jake gets back, we'll let him do his follow Friday as well. In the meantime, I'm going to try and answer some questions as best I possibly can. Our good friend Matt Fackrell at SC underscore Ute asks, if you had to choose one Utah football score to best represent in the EDSBS Charity Bowl, which would you choose? I want to shout out the uh, Spencer Hall Charity Bowl that is talking about. If you go to Twitter at EDSBS or uh, Holly Anderson, I can't remember what her handle is off the top of my head. They do donations to uh, support uh, some amazing charities, and it is one of those things where I feel like uh, Utah fans do not represent themselves as well as they probably should on the national scope. Utah fans are very much Utah fans. Uh, it, what we're evolving in is to becoming more college football fans because we are players in the national landscape. And for that very reason, I think the crew that 
goes with SB Nation, the former Everyday Should Be Saturday group that once was Banner Society and now has dispersed across multiple things. You've probably heard me talk about the Shutdown Fullcast, every uh, PAPN, Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, one of my favorites, uh, two podcasts, also now the Split Zone Duo, which includes Richard Johnson, Alex Kirshner, and uh, Stephen Godfrey. These are, uh, you know, titans in, in my perspective in the media industry. So it's it's something definitely worth uh, supporting. Go ahead and click on that hashtag for the EDSBS Charity Bowl or at Holly Anderson or at ESDBS uh, on Twitter. I'm going to EDSBS. I keep getting that mixed up. Uh, Matt asks if you had to choose one Utah football score to best represent. Uh, so you make the donation based on the football score. Me being a child of the 90s, I would probably go 57-48 or 34-31. 57-48 was the 1988 Utah victory over BYU where Scott Mitchell just went off. And Utah finally won a game in a decade where they really hadn't done much of anything. Uh, I think even the year afterwards, they got throttled like 48-27 to 27 or something like that. Um, it was a big standout. People made t-shirts The I was there, Utah 50, uh, 57, BOU 28, blah, blah, blah. So for a throwback answer, I'd probably go with that. And just to be generous, uh, the other one obviously is 34, 31. And anyone who's a Utah fan should understand the lore behind that, uh, with Utah winning 34, 31, two years in a row. Um, there was also the, I, ooh, I'm trying to remember the, which bank it was, that did the 34-31 commercials where Lavelle was getting measured for his trousers and uh, the pant size was 34-31. And everywhere he goes, he hears the 34-31. It was, it was such a awesome part about that rivalry at that point in time because Lavelle and Ron truly were friends. And they did such a good job of, of promoting the rivalry and making it <laughs> so difficult because it was so fun watching them together and... Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, we just kind of hated each other, Utah BYU fans at that point. Uh, I think in the modern area, it's it's 54-10. That, that is, without a doubt, the score uh, from 2008. It's indicative of a lot of things. I think it's indicative of the distance that was put between Utah and BYU at that point in time. Uh, very uh, indicative of how good Utah was in 2008, how good the program was. Um, and for the most part, it was just such a standout game in terms of how Utah just dominated BYU. Um, and that's not to say that, that BYU is a slacking program or anything like that. I think we've seen in years past that they've been competitive. You know, in the 2013 game where Taysom wasn't able to uh, punch the ball in because Cody Barton made a touchdown-saving tackle there at the very end, which seems to get forgotten a lot. You know, I, I just I think those games are fun. And, and you know, the comeback a few years ago where Jason Shelley led the Utes to a victory, those are fun as well. But 54-10 just seems to stand out in my mind as the true turning point in this rivalry in terms of, like, that's really when it was like, nah, this is this is a different different world now. So... That would be my answer. Matt, you're awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that one. Uh, really appreciate it. Alec Smith, at Alec underscore Smith 20, asks, are there any wide receivers in the portal right now that Utah is eyeing? Um, yes. And if you really want updates on that, I have to recommend that you go to utezone.com. You can also play the Twitter game where you try and figure out what coaches are following who. 
Um, there's plenty of names in there that you can look at and probably deduct. I think the one that probably will stand out to most Utah fans is Theo Howard at Oklahoma. But really, if you want to know the answers to these kinds of things, the best thing is to go to utezone.com, uh, subscribe, get behind that paywall, and Steve Bartle has all the information on that. Um, but yes, I, 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 at this point in time, I think that was a big reason for the move between uh, transitioning from Guy Holiday into Chad Bumfus was that Utah was not able to make uh, inroads with wide receivers that had gone into the portal. Um, also, there may or may not be somebody coming back to Utah. We'll just leave it at that. All righty. At a Martindale film, a.k.a. Alan Martindale, a.k.a. co-host of Dog and Deuce, who would win in a fight, Kyle Whittingham or Jim Harbaugh? The answer is Whittingham, without a doubt. And I, the prevailing thought for me is this. I don't think most people have ever shaken Kyle Whittingham's hands. They are enormous. And this is coming from a man that has big hands himself. I am a double X glove size and pretty much everything I do. Kyle's hands dwarfed mine. So when people talk about how Darren Carrington had a 3XL glove, I bet you Kyle Whittingham's cast stone hands were likely able to just completely crush Darren Carrington's if he wanted to. The one place where I think Jim Harbaugh could have an advantage or an edge against Whittingham is the fact that Harbaugh will leave nothing to chance. There will be nothing that will prevent him from getting to his goal. The problem is I just don't think that good old gumption and and want to is going to overcome those massive hands and, of course, the Whittingham Cavs. Uh, the other part about it, too, is that while Whittingham is very reserved, I think, in his commentary, uh, he is a killer. And I mean that in the best sense of the word. This is a man who uh, is really rounded into his personality, I think, in the last few years, who he is as a football coach, and is not afraid to uh, do what he wants to do at all costs within his own code. And that's probably the part about Whittingham that I respect more than anything is that he does he, I'm a huge believer in the wire philosophy that every man must have a code. I think Kyle Whittingham does have a code. I think he abides by that code. I I truly respect his code. But at the same time, I'm never going to bet against Kyle Whittingham in anything. And as much as Harbaugh would scrap and claw and khaki his way to try and winning, I just don't think that he's got enough there to where he can beat Whittingham. Um, Excuse me. Great question, by the way. And if you don't listen to the Dog and Deuce podcast, it's worth your time. They, uh, they've they been at it for a lot longer than I have, and they do a very, very good job. Um, at Red SLC 1020, a.k.a. Utah Man Am I, asks, is the spring game going to be on TV? Question mark. Yes, I believe it's going to be on the Pac-12 Networks on April 17th. Uh, don't quote me on that one yet. I haven't seen any official announcements, but that's just my uh, hunch. Follow-up question on that one. JQJ, a.k.a. Jaquin and Jackson, wears a red jersey in practice and in the mic'd-up video was doing RB drills and catching the ball. They're going to use it at every offensive position this year. I'm assuming use him. Oh, it followed up with a silly typo. Yes. Here's the thing with uh, JJ. He's an elite athlete. He is basically a two-inch shorter version of Cam Newton. And I think if we've learned anything from watching uh, Taysom Hill with the Saints the past few years, it's that great athletes don't always make great quarterbacks, but they can still have an impact on the game. And the more that you can integrate J.J. 
into the offense at other positions. I think the more it helps him to grow as a player, helps him to understand what it is that he needs to do, the more it helps him learn the offense because he's going to know what everybody else is doing because he's done it. And the biggest thing is that there's just not another guy at the roster that's 6'3", 240, 230, and runs a 4'6", 40, and is the kind of athlete that he is. So why wouldn't you use him? That, that that's that's the part where I, I I get argumentative with people who are like, well, we don't want to go with the two quarterbacks. Blah 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 blah. Use your athletes. You know, we, we know that the team is a little light on wide receivers. Um, put them in there, let them use them. Uh, play them in at some H back. You're gonna have plenty of depth at quarterback this year. There's no reason why you shouldn't use him and then take advantage of his athleticism. Uh, can you imagine running option with JJ and Britton Covey? How do you defend that? You've got a tank and a fighter jet going at it together. I don't know how you stop that. If you do, please add me at Brown Bear SLC. Let me know. Because that's where it really boils down to is that you want to get the kind of matchups on the field to where you have an advantage every single time. And if you can't, if you think that there are safeties and linebackers out there that have the edge against JJ when he's got the ball in his hands, or if you think there are safeties and linebackers out there that can tackle Britton Covey in an open field, please send me their film. I would love to watch it. Because if there are those guys that are likely headed in the NFL, number one, number two, it's very unlikely that Utah is going to encounter them every single game. And those kinds of athletes like JJ just give you so much opportunity. I promise you that he is getting plenty of reps at the quarterback position. But the more you can get him on the field, get him playing, get him learning the offense, the better it is down the road. He's an incredibly raw prospect. He's not a, I don't want to say a true quarterback, because I think that gives the... uh, you know, the the idea that he can't really develop, and, and he can. He can be a great quarterback. I think we've seen it with Tyler Huntley. Um, I, I think what it does is it just gives him more experience and reps out there. And the red jersey is is because he's not he's he's full contact. And I think some of that is because he's probably the biggest, most yoked dude out there not named Devin Lloyd. Um, and so I think for those those reasons – it makes a lot of sense to make that move. It makes a lot of sense to have that kind of stuff in your bag. When you're a coach, you're always planning for the, <clears throat> uh, like you're so in depth on your preparation that you're going into, I know exactly what's going to happen through snaps one through 75. I want to prepare for snaps 76 through 100. I want to be prepared for any kind of situations where I might need this. And I'm going to be so ready. And that is the the mantra of Utah football is to be ready to the point to where like none of that stuff is ever going to affect them. And so um, I've said kind of all along that if we don't see J.J., Starting at QB, we're we're going to see him in some sort of cut uh, quality. Uh, his athleticism is just too good uh, to to just sit on the sideline, um, and and it, you know I think that's probably a good way to use him is becoming an athlete. So that wraps it up for the mailbag segment. Uh, thank you everybody as always for your questions. Uh, keep it going. You guys do such a good job with this. Please, please, please send us your questions whenever you want. I've tried to show that I'm willing to share the platform with all of you. I uh, had a great conversation with Ubuntu about the stuff. Please go check out the, the charts and everything you made. The podcasting, although it is a visual medium, that's a joke. Shout out to Cam Beck, 
who uh, someday will come on the podcast. Maybe who knows? Um, well, podcasting is a visual medium. Like his charts just do such a better job of explaining the whole get old, stay old, um, everything that's going on with the Utah basketball program. But I love incorporating everyone as much as possible. Um, it just makes the show so much better when people are involved and invested. So thank you again for your questions. We'll keep keep going at this um, and just you know keep things rolling, keep the mailbag going. And as long as we're going to keep things going, I'm going to keep going into this read for Bill Bar, my champion, Coconut Brownie Chunk. I got one in front of me right now. It's my reward every time I finish recording. Not every time. I, I switch it up. I go Cherry Barcia sometimes. Uh, cookies and Cream, obviously, is another favorite. I like the Mint Brownie when I'm not feeling something super sweet. Same with Orange. That's the best part about Bill Bar is there's just so many different flavors that they can provide you the variety of whatever it is that you want. This is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and should be used as such. When you need to get your sweet tooth fixed, but you want to be healthy, you want to keep your maintain your weight, lose some weight, reach for the Bill Bar. And while you're at it, go order some from BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off. Go ahead and get one of those variety packs. Keep an eye on their Instagram, their Twitter, uh, bar underscore built for Instagram. I'm built, or excuse me, bar underscore built for Twitter. I'm built on Instagram. And they throw out all sorts of different flavors. I promise you there are flavors coming that are incredible. They're going to be worth it. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, or excuse me, locked 15, get your 15% off, and keep getting built, fam, so that we're going to be healthy into 2021. Finishing off a Friday edition of the Locked On News podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we're going to give you your weekend preview, and we're going to start with baseball. They do have a series upcoming at Washington State. They are currently, excuse me, Utah is hosting Washington State at Utah uh, at Smith's Ballpark Friday through Sunday, April 9th through 11th, 6 p.m. first pitch on Friday, 4 p.m. first pitch on Saturday, 1 p.m. first pitch on Sunday. Get out to Smith's Ballpark. Obviously, tickets are available at utahuse.com. This is a team that's finally got some momentum going as they've gotten two wins in a row. Uh, Snagged one against Cal. Also got one against 60 State. Get out and support them. It'll be a good series for the Utes to try and measure themselves and see if they can't get a couple more Pac-12 wins. Moving on, we've got Utah track and field. The Utah Spring Classic is going on. Uh, There is a live stream on Saturday only from the McCarthy Family Track Complex up there on the campus at the University of Utah, April 9th and 10th. Uh, Welcome in five in-state teams to the McCarthy Track and Field Complex. Friday and Saturday, uh, you're going to be able to uh, attend that if you like. A limited amount of spectators will be allowed to attend the track meet. It'll be a first-come, first-served basis up there, so go ahead and uh, show up. Make sure you bring a face mask with with you. Um, And this is, you know, just another opportunity to support athletics that they're very deserving at the University of Utah. Um, So head on up there. Dixie State, Southern Utah, Utah, Utah Valley, Weber State, and Westminster all competing at the Utah Spring Classic. Moving on, it's a road trip for Utah softball as they head from Dixie State to the friendly confines of Cal Berkeley for a four-game series with Cal. 
Utah needs to get some wins here in the Pac-12. They've picked up three in a row while on their southern Utah road trip. Uh, first game will start Friday at 4 p.m. All games will be carried by the Pac-12 network. If you can't find it on your cable provider, go to the website pac-12.com. They'll have it there for you. Uh, Friday, Saturday's uh, doubleheader on Saturday, um, and then a game on Sunday. And good opportunity for the uh, Ping and Lady Utes to get back on track and try and get some wins in the Pac-12 under their belts. Along those lines, that's about it for this weekend. Uh, we do have another busy weekend coming up next weekend where pretty much everybody's in action, including uh, volleyball, I believe, will be at the NCAA tournament. Gymnastics as well at the NCAA championship. Lacrosse will be on the road at Virginia. And, of course, there will be the red and white game, so we'll actually get to watch Utah football for once, which is, oh, my gosh. Even if I wasn't a Utah football fan, I would be so grateful to see some actual football being played. So... Along those lines, thank you so much to everyone for following along with us, for uh, for rating, for reviewing, for uh, all your support and messages. Keep them coming. I love them. Even when I'm snarky when I reply, I really do appreciate it. I'm going to leave you all with the hopes and wishes that you have an incredible weekend, that everything goes well for you this weekend, and that you enjoy yourself. We have great weather, all those things above. Uh, we're pushing forward through 2021 and making everything uh, super great. Along those lines, thank you so much again for being part of the podcast. My name again, Brian Brown, leaving you on, on that note, wishing you the best. Stay well, be well, do well. This has been the Locked On News podcast for April 9th, 2021, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.